Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 127. Uh, our last episode there was on worm farming, which was the one that I had never expected to talk about. Uh, duck farming, uh, and that didn't work out after a catastrophe happened to the poor couple. Um, and then they've moved into worms and selling worm casts, which is some kind of fancy worm-based compost, basically. Um, so Josh tells the story really raw, really true. He talks about challenges, he talks about difficulties, he talks about all that sort of thing. And I, I think I really enjoyed was we quite often hear folk sort of trying to come into farming and, and talk about regenerations the way forward and saying, why doesn't everyone do this? Why are the people that have been farming forever so bad for the environment? Why don't they care? And then Josh sort of basically said, he was like, there's a reason. <laughs> uh, they're doing very well at what they're doing and they have been for some time and they're progressing at the correct pace and people that come in from a completely different industry that say they're not doing it right aren't correct. And I think Josh uses himself as an example of that and I thought that was fantastic. Our next episode will be with, I think Charlie Beatty will be the next episode we have, number 128. Um which will be uh, Charlie's sort of in that AHDB circle of influence, big big sort of Instagram account, arable and livestock farm mixed farm in England. That's very vague somewhere. I can't remember exactly, uh, but another good episode there. And today is an interesting one, an exciting one, in that um, quite often when I bring guests on, I know something about them, whether they're friends of mine, whether I follow them, whether whatever I guess and uh, this one was interesting in that they were a guest to come in and speak uh, to our students that I didn't arrange so, so I didn't know our guest at that point and uh, I when it was happening I don't think she'll actually know this until now when she was talking I wrote a note on my phone and I added her to the podcast list so uh, obviously the, the impression I got was very good so uh, today's guest is Gemma Work. Gemma would you like to say hello? <clears throat> Hi everyone just before we get started with another episode of the R2Cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to A-Plan Rural for that. Looking forward to this. Yeah, I am. I'm just surprised you noted my name down. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Not at all. It was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Um, we'll get into what that was about soon enough uh, and what, what sort of what company you're involved with then. That has obviously changed now as well, which is quite exciting. So it's so quite a few, a few things to talk about there. Um, well, Gemma, for those that don't know you, probably myself as well, probably don't know this question, answer to this question. Tell us about yourself as a youngster. What was, what was a young Gemma wanting to do? Um, I wouldn't say anything too specific, just more the fact my mum married my stepdad, um, so I wasn't from farming originally, and my stepdad was a farmer um, up in Forfar um, in Angus, and yeah, fell in love in, in farming from there. And were were you involved in the farm? I can't, I'm not sure if you said what age you were then, or were you just, oh, this is great, I can see myself. Yeah. Um, I was about 10, so pretty much my teenage years um, ended up, yeah, uh, really enjoying uh, being on the farm. 
um, kind of got involved. So they have an Angus herd, got involved with that, especially, which I, I really enjoyed and joined Young Farmers. And yeah, I'd say that's which, what ignited my uh, passion into farming and, and more specifically, I guess, Angus cattle. <laughs> and uh, tell us about Young Farmers. What Young Farmers were you involved in? Oh, I was in four for young farmers um, from quite a young age. It's quite funny thinking back because I I went to SEC, so that's where I ended up studying SRUC in Edinburgh. Um, and I was 17 when I went there. So when I think back to young farmers, I was just a youngster from 14 to 17. Um, but I guess it was quite funny because at school, um, I was known as the farmer. Um, and then joining young farmers, you meet other farmers and you realise you're not the only one. So I guess that was quite nice. Um uh, yeah just knowing you're not the only farmer and through that obviously got friendly with fellow farmers at school so we sort of um yeah we had our own little group and yeah it was a really good way of kind of realizing you're not the only one probably gave me the confidence to apply to SRUC because uh, I was always interested in animal animal science um but yeah joining young farmers I realized actually yeah um you can kind of go into it a bit more so you've probably went from when you're at school being the one, as you said, the farmer, uh, to coming into young farmers and probably being the one that's been in farming or, or been involved in known farming the least, and uh, sort of working up from that side and learning that way as well. Um, did you stop young farmers at seventeen, or did you continue when you went to went to college? Well, because I was in Edinburgh, it was quite hard to go home for the young farmer stuff. And to be honest, with everything going on at Edinburgh, like the kind of the, the group I fell into, you know, at weekends, we'd go back to each other's farms and um, help each other out. Uh, I, I was flatmates with a couple of girls from Orkney, so we all made a bit of an effort to go and help fellow um, fellow farmers out the weekends. So um, I felt, yeah, just with the group I sort of met, we, we were all quite social and then yeah. we're getting our farmer fix at the weekends. So it was pretty well, pretty well covered. You couldn't really have found three folk in Scotland further from Edinburgh. <laughs> you know, far from. I know. Um, yeah, T tell us about your time at SRUC, Gem. I always quite like doing this because, you know, in the last... So I started college in 2014 and now we're at the end, coming up for the end of 2023. And every single year, apart from 2019, I've been affiliated in some way, whether that's as a student or now as a lecturer. And I sort of love hearing folks' stories as to as to their time at, at college. College isn't for everyone. Some folk don't enjoy it. Some folk love it. Um, how long were you there for? Was it agriculture or was it animal science? So I went into animal science for the first yep. two years, um, which was good to kind of understand the sciencey bit because in my, well, Kind of current slash previous job it really did intertwine a few times you know when they're talking about some of the animal health testing and stuff they do um it really helped but i realized kind of further on that because i, I was sort of interested in vet stuff but i knew it was it wasn't everything and i realized there's actually a lot of jobs in ag um so i decided to kind of go a bit broader and in third year switched over to agriculture and i i met my partner hamish and first slash second year um, and both of us stayed on to fourth year um, so I got a Bachelor of Science in, in Agriculture at the end of it. Did you, um, I'm just trying to think what, ah uh, yes you did on a dissertation, what did you focus on for that? Can you I've always enjoyed, um, so I guess one thing I should probably say about studying at SRUC was um, in 
in the holidays, so the spring holidays, I went and did a lambing and I lambed at the same place for four years. And then sort of before and after that lambing, I'd maybe do a night lambing somewhere else. Um, so really enjoyed that. And I hadn't really done much with sheep. So that was kind of my first exposure to sheep properly. Uh, but in the summers, after Rogan Tatties for a couple of months, I'd actually go out to the US. I did it twice. And I worked out um, on Upper New York State with um, a family uh, called the Grooms. And they were originally from Scotland and they moved out to the US about 20 years ago with their Angus cattle. And um, I ended up helping them out. And it was a lot of showing Angus cattle. They had um, every weekend we're at a show and I was pretty much in charge of that show team. I absolutely loved it. There was like 20 head at one point and it was just literally going into these barns, like breaking in the cattle, washing them, drying them, clipping them. Just absolutely loved it. Um, and then... Another thing we sort of did was he had, um, he managed another herd where he ran an embryo programme, um, but you only flushed cows if they were proven. So, I mean, in the UK, we flush young cows, that's fine. But in the US, kind of traditionally, they would actually only flush cows which are proven. So maybe had um, six to 10 calves consecutively, um, just really focus on those uh, production traits. So, he was running an embryo program, did a lot of AI, um, and that was kind of my practical knowledge of the kind of reproduction um, science. So I ended up doing my dissertation. Sorry, this is a long-winded way of answering that question, but my dissertation ended up being in embryo transfer because um, part of my payment of working in the US was coming back with some embryos. But I yeah. didn't really know much about embryos, and it was kind of my way of putting a bit of theory behind what we're about to do. So... Um, I came back, did a dissertation on that. I built a relationship with a fellow Angus breeder, um, a family called uh, the Monroes up in Inverness. Um, they have the Balaldi herd and uh, they they run an embryo programme every year. So I was able to um, use their recips um, to put my American embryos into their cows. And in return, um, they, they pretty much, they were really good. They, at the time there was the world angus forum um yeah. so in 2017 um every four years um globally the the angus forum is held in a different country and in 2017 it was in the uk so finley monroe from balaldi um asked me if in return for using his recips with these american embryos would i break in a show team um yeah. for him to have on display at the northern exposure and we had almost 200 delegates from around the world coming around looking at um, Angus cattle on display. And we had, I think it was about 10 altogether. And there was one or two just calved um, on display, all broken in, all, all clipped up. So that was um, his way of, yeah, my way of uh, paying him back. So it was quite nice. So yeah, long-winded way, but yeah, it was uh, embryo transfer. So it was all about, in the dissertation, how, like, is embryo transfer going to increase the risk of inbreeding? And ultimately, it, the conclusion was it could, but it's low risk. So that was it. <laughs> so tell us, I mean, every time I think about embryo transfer, I just think about champagne because of Moet. Um, tell us, tell us, and the listeners, <laughs> Gemma, what, what is embryo transfer? What's happening there? I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates, the UK over, and will give you tailored insurance for 
anything on the farm from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years or a fancy new and exciting diversification? Um, oh, very, very simply, like we've got some neighbours here on the farm where we're at now. And whenever I'm describing, like when I'm getting really excited about one cabin and it's an embryo, I say, it was conceived in America, but born here in the Scottish borders, and that blows their heads. Um, so ultimately, it's a fertilised embryo, and we can freeze those embryos and ship them across the world. So all my embryos so far have come from the US. Um, so yeah, they're, they're frozen in liquid nitrogen, and yeah, ultimately can be transported. There's a lot of paperwork with that. Um, you have to use like specialised companies to be able to do it, but it's a really good way of getting access to different genetics. And that's probably a bit of a USP for me. And what I'm doing is I've got outcross genetics from proven bloodlines. Um, so yeah, it's it's a, a really good way of kind of, if you're interested in uh, getting involved in, in a breed, it's a good way of getting started. And it's also a way of, Reducing health risk as well. Um, you know, something we've really uh, focused on here is I've started with a really good high health status. So that means my cattle are disease free, Yoni's level one, IBR accredited, BVD accredited, etc. Embryo transfer is a really clean way of bringing different genetics into the herd without buying other stock and risking um, disease um, transfer. Does that help? No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I put very well, put very well. And you know, you're. You're, you're making me think about it. The idea of working only with proven stock just makes sense. Uh, uh, do you yeah, think I guess, it's better in the States than Yeah, it is? no, I mean, if you sell something for a lot of money, a sale or, sh um, or she shows or he shows really well, I can, I can see that obviously a lot of people are interested in those genetics, so it makes sense even if they've not had a calf to, to um, take embryos off them. But I guess I'm starting out in farming. It's kind of good to do something a bit different. And that's one thing I'm wanting to go risk free. So I'm very much seeking out those proven bloodlines, those cows, which, you know, ideally been out wintered, have calved consecutively and, um, you know, ideally a bit of growth and stuff behind them. But it's really those maternal traits I'm, I'm focused on. And that's kind of the way I've, I've kind of spun it and the way I'm, I'm looking at it, at least. It's, it's quite common to we, we focus more on the semen side just solely semen and look at sort of ebvs and that side of things is there ebvs on the embryo side as well uh, yeah yeah th there is um so like, a lot of people do embryo work in the uk and yeah ebvs could be a factor into that um yeah i, I must say I have to be careful, I guess, a little bit. Um, but EBVs isn't something I focus on. It's something I use in a toolbox. Um, but ultimately, when I'm looking at cows, I look at how many calves have they had, go and look at their mother, how old's the mother, how old's the grandmother, are they still got good feet, have they got good udders? You know, my my kind of the sort of cows we flush in the US and bring over here, you know, most of them average at 12 years of age, have had 10 calves consecutively. In the US, they have this kind of pathfinder status, they call it. So ultimately, you go into like their, their database of cat on. If it has this little hashtag, it means it's a pathfinder. And that means, um, you know, she's had a really good calving interval. Um, she's had consecutive calves. And it's just a really good way of me finding good cows. And um, Robert Groom, who I work with in the US, we work together to 
uh, bring genetics over here. Um, and actually, only a couple of weeks ago, we were putting embryos in again. So um, hopefully have some more embryo calves being born next spring. And have you had, I'm guessing the answer to this is yes, but have you had much more experience in the beef side than, than the dairy side? Yeah. Um, so after, so you see, we went travelling for a bit and then I got a job with Genus ABS um, and I can put a bit more context around that. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, my passion, my world is beef. Um, but the the company I work for, like our, our sole company or Genus ABS is so so um, focused would be on the dairy um, on the dairy farmers. But what's interesting about the dairy world is it's changed massively in the last few years. Um, Genus ABS launched a sex technology called Sexcell, and ultimately that brought competition to the market. And sex technologies like across the industry have got better and better, whether that's conception rate or gender skew. And um, what that meant was when I joined Genus as a graduate, um, I was very passionate about beef and very quickly, you know, the beef team was expanding because um, the dairy herd was getting more selective on the females they were um, using as replacements and they didn't have to use as much dairy semen because they could use sexed um, dairy, so end up with more females. Um, so ultimately, they're probably breeding about 30% of their herd to dairy sex, dairy female, um, and the rest of the herd is going to beef. So like some of the figures we'd always um, throw around was, you know, a few years ago, 60% of our sales used to be conventional dairy. Um, and now 60% of our sales are beef. So I guess that was kind of the exciting thing for me is although the company I worked for, um, was focusing on the dairy farmer it was beef I was speaking about every day so it set me down to the ground. So we'll, we'll get into that in a, in a minute Gemma That's that this is the obviously the, the stuff well not specifically but a lot of the stuff you were talking about when we had you in talking at SRUC. Um, why Genus? What, what, what was what was the attraction for you there? You've obviously applied was, was there a reason? Um, yeah. Yeah so I finished up at SUC, was doing the seasonal work uh, with lambing, going out to the US, rogan tatties. <laughs> and um, I, when I finished, I definitely had a bit of a travel bug in me and wanted to go travelling, and so did Hamish, thankfully. So the two of us set off. We did a few stops on the way pretty much to New Zealand, um, and then we worked in New Zealand for 10 months. So we made a bit of a contact. It was actually when I was doing my dissertation at the Rosen Institute. Um, it was a lovely lady called Natalie Howes um, who worked for Abacus Bio. She's actually, I think she's about to move to Canada. But anyway, she um, she originally got me a job lined up with, um, Nith no, let me get this right. Yeah, it's Nithdale, um, who are a sheep, um, they sell sheep genetics, pretty much rams. And I was I was pretty chuffed with that. I went back to him. She said, oh, I've got this job at Nithdale, really pleased about that. Um, and Hamish was like, oh, I really want to go to Nithdale because Hamish is a sheep man. So okay, he's yeah. like, no, I really like them. I should follow them on social media. And I was like, oh, God, right, you have that job. <laughs> so I went back to Natalie and I said, um, <laughs> my partner wants to do the Nithdale job. Is, um, is there anything else? And she said, I'll oh, leave it with me. And then she got back in contact saying just 20 minutes down the road from Nithdale, there's this lovely family called the Canes, or they're called the Canes. 
and um, it's quite good. They've got pedigree, Hereford's pedigree, Angus, and they've got dairy uh, cows as well and some sheep. And I was like, that sounds ideal. So I ended up going out and working there. So it's quite good. So myself and Hamish travelled together. We worked on different farms, 20 minutes apart. Um, so like weekends and evenings, we were able to catch up, but um, doing very different stuff during the week. So the farm I worked at, the Canes, um, Funnily enough, I ended up doing quite a lot of showing for them. They realised that I was quite passionate about uh, showing and occasionally they would show. So they allowed me to break in a little team of cattle. It was Herefords and Angus. And um, we went to Christchurch A&P show and we went to Wanaka and a couple of local ones as well. And um, I was showing a bull called Ryan, who was a big Angus bull. And what was quite fun was a couple of years ago, um, I went back out during the World Hereford Conference and I got to show Ryan again as a mature stock bull. So um, that was lovely. But anyway, so what was quite interesting about the Canes was they had 700 dairy cows. Um, the, the business was split. There was two brothers. I worked with Pete on the... Um, the beef and sheep farm and then his brother Luke um he ran the dairy and Luke was using um Peter's stock bulls his beef bulls he was breeding on his dairy cows but they were starting to measure quite a lot of things like Cavney's gestation lengths number one um in any dairy dairy herd across the across the world so that was obviously factored in but we were measuring things like growth. Um, we were actually rearing quite a lot of calves on the beef and sheep um, farm. So we're measuring growth. We're relating that back to sires and we're getting quite a lot of carcass data as well. So we'd get kill sheets and we'd be looking at, oh, what's that? Like it was mostly Herefords, like which Hereford bulls are performing really well on the dairy cows. And that was all kind of factored in into the breeding decision because like their number one customer for selling beef bulls was the dairy herd. Mm. And I guess that was round about the time I was just on LinkedIn and um, I saw Genius ABS were advertising a graduate um, a graduate job and it was a bit on the Genius breeding side and a bit on the consultancy side um, with Promar. And I thought, well, that's going to be quite interesting. And, you know, although I wasn't necessarily too interested in dairy cows, um, some of the job description was just on about beef um, increasing. I thought, well, if it's anything like what I've learned at the Canes, I'd be quite intrigued. So, yeah, um, I joined Genus. So we got back, joined Genus. Myself and Hamish actually moved down near Shrewsbury for two years. And kind of the goal with that was just to work in our or in the job. So I was working at Genus. Hamish worked for a company called Innovis, which is sheep breeding. And... Um, yeah, we did that for a couple of years. So I was on the the graduate programme with Genus ABS and it was good because on the breeding side, I did get to meet the beef team and made it pretty apparent that's where my passion was. And um, well, it would have been 16 to 18 months later, I ended up in beef team, which I um, absolutely loved since. Could you, could you tell us about the graduate scheme? Because there is a lot of graduate schemes out there. I wear a green band on my wrist that only you can see, the listeners cannot see because that would be impossible, um, from Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And I did a graduate scheme there and it was it was my first major job out of, out of college or out of uni, I guess. Um, but it was awful. It was absolutely awful. The pay was shocking. They didn't care about you. There was no benefits to doing it apart from driving Teslas and Range Rover Velars. Um, what... 
what was the graduate scheme like? Was it quite, quite, were you involved with things happening? Were you actually, did you feel like it was a graduate scheme? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to say because I can't compare it to anything else. It's the only thing I've done. Um, but I must say, so we were the, the first group of graduates at Genus. Um, so we always kind of felt a bit like the guinea pigs. We It was quite good in the fact that we got to feedback quite a lot, uh, what worked, like, you know, where there's opportunities and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it was six to, I think it's six months now, but we did eight months with the Genus part. Um, so a lot of time was kind of spent doing rideouts and um, you get project work as well. So the rideouts would be like with the, the salespeople. So we call them brain advisors. So we'd go out with the, the BAs and go into different customer farms and um, we'd go out with the technicians. So uh, they're the people who are actually serving the cows. There's like normal technicians and you get RMS technicians as well, who would be kind of more focused on the whole herd fertility rather than just serving the cow on the day sort of thing. Um, what else? Yeah, the project work was always quite interesting. Uh, pretty much they'd, it would be us giving a um, a project. I think we did one in the service business and you just kind of, you know, spend some time with people in the business and just kind of learn where the opportunities were and present it back to all sorts of, um, sort of people in management. Um, so that was always quite good. And you, you kind of felt like you were making a difference as well because you were kind of doing the things the managers wanted to do, but not always had the time, whereas we had the time to sit and do the rideouts and speak to the, the people um, which the project was involving. And then you go and do six months with Promar. Um, so that was quite good. Like, I, I don't think I could ever see myself as a, a consultant, especially at that time. Yeah. But I guess what I really liked about it was just the confidence and pulling out your calculator on farm and going th crunching through numbers um, and... Yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed that, and it was it was kind of more of a wider wider look at things rather than just you know fertility on farm. You'd you'd factor in lots of things. Um, so yeah, that was good. And then you get a third rotation. Um, so kind of all through the Promar and the genus breeding part, you'd see what you were kind of enjoying and what team you were kind of starting to fall into. Um, so your third rotation, you you end up kind of having a go as uh, so, you know you get on in that team so I actually did a maternity cover in my third rotation and that evolved into a full-time job um but yeah that was in beef team at the time it was a project called beef connect um and all that was was a partnership with blade um farming who are who buy beef cross dairy calves um yeah they buy beef cross dairy calves and we were kind of involved with bringing dairy farmers as leads to them and um, we did quite a few like open days and stuff with them but that's grown arms and legs since which I think we'll probably go on to. Yeah definitely definitely and just one one small question I had and I'm going to embarrass myself here but I think I'm right in saying RMS is reproductive management system tech isn't it is that right no my miles off uh oh is no I could, yeah, oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, but you... If anyone from Genus listens to this, reproduction, reproductive management technician, um, service, sorry, reproductive management service um, is what it stands for. And we just use that abbreviation all the time that you forget what it actually stands for. We're really bad for that. Oh, 100%. I think a lot of places are, you know, um, I say quite often, I mentioned enterprise there, <coughs> Um 
let me see if I can get this right. One of the one of the anagrams we had was LMSCTCRERR. Uh, that was muscle memory. I'm going to have to read through what that was. <laughs> message for customer to call regarding rental ready. Like, just write it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's in there now, and I've, that's what I've I've been at my current job three years. Next week, the time of recording, the time of release, it will be three years. Uh, and I didn't start straight after Enterprise. Like that's just stuck in there. I just use them all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you've you've moved on, AJ. I mean, you've moved on to part of the beef team uh, after your, your graduate position and sort of established and, and find yourself established there. What was what was your role then? What what were you doing? Um so yeah, I was doing that maternity cover, uh, managing Beef Connect, and I was involved in a few other few other projects um and it was quite interesting because at that time in the beef team I think there was only four of us um and like now we're well because I'm still currently with Genus I'm just working a notice period but we're doing a bit of a study tour next week and there's 15 of us now so uh, the team has like grown massively and it all links back to what I was kind of touching on before with um, the development of sex technologies across the industry, like the opportunity for beef just grew massively. And um, so, yeah, to start with, I was just involved with a couple of bits and then um, Blade Farming, um, they, and well, I think they'd they'd had quite a long partnership with uh, Sainsbury's, which is a retailer, obviously. um, And, Sainsbury's kind of came to them or they kind of worked through what um what some of the bottlenecks were for them and it was things like sorry that's talking to me um, it was things like uh, having visibility of their supply chain wanting um kind of a, a robust supply chain of beef from British farmers um and yeah ultimately they wanted to build a fully integrated supply chain so when it's integrated I guess you look at the chickens and the pig industry and they've kind of looked at that and thought how can we do something similar for beef so you know you need your genetic partner you need your dairy farmers just in the fact that they're all your own calving getting all your own beef um they needed uh, readers finishers and ultimately like that's how the job grew was just um we were the sole genetic partners because we developed a um, our partnership with Blade and we had a breeding programme designed to um, create Angus um, bulls for, for Blade's needs and I guess with our focus on the, the dairy farm um, it, it was just making sure the bulls did what they said on the tin um, and it, yeah it just goes back to that kind of proven story I guess I'm doing it a bit differently at home with the sucklers but it's the same sort of message for what we're doing at Genus but uh, just proven genetics um, through the supply chain. So making sure there were easy calving, making sure that there was short gestations, that they grew well and um, looked at their finishing data as well. So ultimately, Genus has uh, an index with ABP where um, there's a range of Angus bulls, not just Genus bulls, but across the industry. And um, you know, they look at which bulls are performing the best and uh, that kind of guides the breeding decisions and um, helps create beef suited solely for that supply chain. And it's just, it's quite different because obviously I'm about to move on, but it has been amazing to work with. I mean, I've been involved in this project for, well, it'll be about four years now and just seeing how 
it's kind of come together you know some exciting stuff about to come up and I feel like I'm, I'm leaving on a real high which um, I'm really pleased about and um, you know the whole beef team are excited about that as well um, so I, I don't know that's kind of long I don't know if I summarised that well or not um, yeah no, absolutely and, and you know it's, it's one thing one thing that shows with you Gemma and, and it did in the, the time uh, where you spoke for us as well was that passion is clearly there. And one thing I would say that, that I'm, I'm sure the listeners are thinking as well, you're a proper storyteller. It's class. Like, I'm like, I'm oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, tells you this. That's it. You should try it. Because I mean, I'll ask you about something. And then one minute we're in the States, then we're in New Zealand. And then you bring it back to this. Oh, don't. Really good. It's, I, love, I love to hear it. You it's know great. what's funny is... I've had great, great experiences, but nowadays, like I am just happy, just wandering through my cows. Like I live a low key, like, low key life nowadays. But yeah, for the longest time, it was just a bit of a, yeah, I guess a bit of a, what would you call, it, cow junkie across the world, just getting involved <laughs> in all these sort of things. But well, uh, do you know what? I feel like I'm kind of, I'm sort of gauging from what you've done. I'm guessing we're similar ages. Uh, the I, I did the whole uni and I did masters and it just went so linear, went straight into career and I didn't do any of the traveling that I think I probably wanted to do. Um, but I got focused on academia and whatever. And now I'm getting to the stage that I think I'm now doing that. I'm doing the let's go crazy and see what's happening out there. I mean, Africa, well, at the time of this release, I'm probably in Africa, probably in Rwanda, I think. Wow. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Like, I'm so excited. Tanzania and Rwanda. What is it you're doing there? Well, I, you know, I should probably do a podcast on this. I think I should maybe film with the folk we're going out with, do like a bonus episode. So basically, SEYFC, I'm national. I feel like I'm being interviewed. Uh, I'm uh, <laughs> national vice chair of communications and marketing. And uh, they've sent four people out to Tanzania. So you've got... Um, National Chair Jane Strawhorn, International Committee Chair Lindsay Campbell, Paul Cruz, who works uh, for, for ACYC, and myself going out to Tanzania to speak at the 4-H Food Summit. So it's a global summit, from what I understand, as many countries as they can have are out there. Um, we're sort of saying what we're doing as, as Scotland and as ACYFC. Uh, and then a day of safari, which will be amazing. Uh, and then heading to Rwanda, and I don't know how much you know about Rwanda, but Rwanda's been a place that's fascinated me ever since I heard about it because it's it had genocide in the 90s and, and just the way they've dealt with that. And, you know, the, the meetings we're having with, with folk in Rwanda are saying, like, you'll feel old. You know, I'm 26, and they're like, you will feel old. There's no one over 60 here. They don't exist. And that's, like, harrowing to think about. So we're going to go and see the memorial and sort of understand what Rwanda's built on and then we're basically um, getting toured around farms and food businesses food tech places um, the guy who's actually taking us around owns a company called Carl Group his name is Regis Umajaraneza if you want to hear his story, Articast number 71 humble plug um, he's the R in Carl and they've basically created this sweet potato is ready, readily available in Rwanda but it's almost looked down upon which is, is crazy because they struggle to afford to feed themselves, but they still look down on this product that they can easily get carbs from. And they've created this sort of, the way I would describe it is like a Wheatabix from sweet potato. Let's call it Sweetabix. Uh, that was quite clever. Uh, so we're going to see that and then just tour the rest of Rwanda. And yeah, 
fly back two weeks and I really can't wait. So that's what I'm doing. Um, and the reason I'm saying that is it's I am I've probably had the sort of living in a small place and quite happy, quaint place sort of thing. Now I kind of want to do it. We've almost done it all around. So uh, yeah, it's, it's quite cool. But that, the reason that I started saying that about 20 minutes ago before I started speaking uh, was that the passion. <laughs> so, yeah, like it's, it's so obvious and it's really nice to see. You mentioned you mentioned the home home farm there. I'm going to embarrass myself. Tully Fergus, is that right? T- yes. Yeah, well... Um, I think that's the, that's yeah. the prefix of the case yeah. here, um, the, the farm Southfield. So tell, tell us about that. Tell us about Southfield. <clears throat> okay, um, so myself and Hamish were living down in Shrewsbury, and I guess it, particularly Hamish, he really enjoys his job with NFS. He was a RAM production manager, so going around, um, he was ultimately going to breeding partners which are throughout the country from Inverness down to Devon and um, just making sure rams were kind of met the criteria um, so I think it's something nuts like they produce however many rams and call 50% of them because they've got to have good teeth got to have good feet etc and then good indexes as well so Hamish was all over the place with that and I guess what we kind of always said was if um, an opportunity came up for him to kind of get back into farming that would be the only reason he'd leave Innovis and I think he actually mentioned it to Dowie at one point and Dowie Jones and Dowie um, kind of hatched a bit of a plan um, they were looking for an opportunity to move the nucleus or I think it's something along those lines and um, I think he knew that we wanted to go back to the borders and an opportunity sort of aro- arose with um, the clue for Dowie um, to take on a farm in the Scottish borders and for Hamish to manage that farm. So that was in 2020. So we moved back to Scottish borders or Hamish moved back to Scottish borders on the 1st of September, 2020. And um, so did all the nucleus use. So there would be, I think at the time there was about 800 of them uh, came up here into um, Southfield. And um, he's now running about 1,100 ewes and there he keeps growing it as well. So um, Hamish is full-time here at home and I've got a full-time job. And at the, when we first moved to the farm, we settled for a few months and then I had my cattle, which were up at Finlay Monroe and family up at Bolaldi. Um At the time I had three cows and a couple of calves. So we brought them down to Southfield and now I've got 19 cows with the bull and um, just hope to keep growing it. Um, so Southfield's been quite good because ultimately it's an upland farm. It's um, ideal for sheep and cattle work really well as well because we're doing quite a lot of rotational grazing. We're really trying to minimise inputs. So the cattle are a really, really good uh, tool for for the um for the innovative sheep as well. So it sort of just works a bit hand in hand. I do have check-ins a day, just making sure he knows how many cattle's here because he does get a few surprises when I buy a few more heifers. He's like, um, how many cattle have you got again, Gemma? So um, yeah, we did a few check-ins now just so he knows where we're at. Well, is it the, is it the there's an innovous cheviot, isn't there? And no, no, it's not called innovous cheviot. It's got a name. Is it an Evischievian? Uh, well, there's all sorts. I think there's like no. 11. So the nucleus here has 11 um, different lines, uh, breeding lines. And yeah, Cheviots are one. I don't think they have a special name. 
Um, then he's, there's Aberfields, Abermax, Abertex. They're all kind of, well, first of all, they're split into maternal or terminal breeds. And then from there, they'd be like either different breeds designed for kind of different customers. Um, yeah, the Cheviots would probably be more kind of your hill hill kind of folk would be interested in that. But then like the Aberfields and what whatnot suit kind of people who are more after a, um, a lower ground yow, I guess. Yeah, because I made the mistake of uh, we had, is it Stuart? I can't remember Stuart's surname. That's terrible. Stuart Graham? Yeah, yeah. Um, we yeah. had, uh, we, we did a really good day with the same group actually that yourself and it was Arwen, wasn't it? Arwen. Arwell, so, yeah. Arwell, sorry, my bad. Um, yeah, uh, okay. the, same group, the same group that you spoke to. We did a day up at Edinburgh at, at Easter Howgate. Yeah, Easter Howgate. And it was like an industry day and we had, I think, nine different different industry groups talking and of us were one there and Stuart was there with Perry who's our shepherd at Barony and uh, I had said something like oh we've got cheviots at home and uh, he was like oh <laughs> I was like sorry <laughs> well they're not in of us cheviots is this how sales work <laughs> and, uh, and, like, I don't but, know I don't it, get involved it, in that <laughs> yeah, just avoid the, sales, avoid the sales but I mean we, we were having a bit of crack but I really like the look of them. I would, the, I guess the thing, I mean, I'm not farming myself, but but the interest I have, I'm, I'm currently here, my mum and dad's farm on Aaron is, is, yeah, it's hill upland and lowland, it's everything, but it is a, it's an extensive hill. Uh, that was my interest, but um, they're doing good things. They're sort of the likes of Innovis and, and your Logie Durnos and that sort of thing. They're, they're, they're changing what's been quite stagnant for a while. And, and even if some of the changes aren't what folk like, then... They're, they're making a, a push forward that makes everyone go in the right direction, which is progressive. And I find it really interesting, really interesting. So I didn't realise um, you guys were quite as quite as directly involved as you are. So, no, that's really cool. Um, maybe we should have had you both on. <laughs> um, yeah. <I'll> <laughs> uh, no, very good, very um, good. The, yeah, sorry. So um, so you've went from, from three to 19 in three years, sixfold, quite big movements. Is, is there plans... Uh, to really keep growing that or have you got sort of a cap on it? I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. So the kind of verbal agreement with Dowie is 30 guys. Um, so that's the goal. Um, I did want to get to that next year, but I think we'll just be a little bit short on that. Um, the following year, we should be over 30. So we're not far away. Um, and then, was that, was that over 30? There. Was that an over 30 you threw in there? Was that? Yeah, over 30. <laughs> but I guess my sort of goal is to get to 30. You know, it, it, like it'll be between 30 and 40. Um, and then, because like my goal just now is that every cow has to be pregnant. They're not pregnant; they have to go. And um, so to be pregnant every year. And I guess what that means is I am keeping some females, which maybe phenotypically they aren't necessarily exactly what I want, or maybe like there's we outwinter the cows here, and there'll be one or two, especially some of the younger ones. I'll put in a priority group the the heifers, um, which are also outwinter, but kind of on a on an easier part of the the farm. And um, 
yeah, I guess it would be nice to start kind of weeding out those cows. Um, and I guess when I get to 30, that's what I can start doing is having a little bit more selection pressure. Um, but currently just with kind of trying to grow it, row number one is they're pregnant every year. And then the cows, which I'm not so keen on, I've kind of created this A and B herd. Um, so the A herd are the genetics which are performing on the farm, coping with the system and tend to be from like the proven genetics um, we've brought across. And then the B herd would be cows which maybe aren't coping so well, you know, they're pregnant every year, but um, I don't necessarily want their genetics. So what I'm doing with that B herd is actually putting the embryos in those girls. So um, that's kind of the way I'm doing it just now until I get to 30. Brilliant. It's, I get the vibe. You're very much more genotype based than phenotype. that be fair? Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess starting out, I am. I think I have in my head what I think a good cow looks like, but I've got one or two which don't look like that, and <laughs> currently they're still performing. So I am very much someone who likes to kind of go with facts I see in front of me, and yeah, I am. As long as they're they're coping in the system and they're not that ugly, I'll keep them. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be glad to hear that, that they're not that ugly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so any of Gemma's cows, if you are listening, at least you're not that ugly. Um, yeah. The, <laughs> you know, it's really nice uh, to hear, Gemma, you know, you, you're talking that you're in your notice period at the minute. And I'm guessing by the time this is out, which will probably be in two or three weeks, um, that that'll be over. Uh, but it's really nice to hear the way you speak about that. You know, a lot of people are leaving jobs and maybe they wouldn't on a podcast, fair enough, but uh, they, they maybe don't speak so positively or or they, they're they much more thinking about the next thing. But you're still, you still say we, you still talk really sort of positively about about where you're leaving. Is, is it a place that you would you would advise someone to go to? Genus that is. Yeah, I would. Um, I'm, I'm leaving because, well, there's, there's a couple of reasons. Um, I am looking for the next jump. You know, I've worked in genetics for the last five years and I'm, I'm going to QMS now. Um, so I'm going to continue sort of that supply chain experience. Um, I'm looking forward to growing my network a little bit more locally as well. Because um, just now, you know, like, well, this week I'm down in Wales and I'm going to Ireland. So, you know, it's been good in the fact that I've liked travelling. Um, Genus has really suited that. But ultimately, I do enjoy living back in Scotland. Um, so, yeah, I don't have anything um, bad to say about the, the company. And I would encourage people to, uh, to join. Um, I think the graduate programme is... I'd really encourage that because it's a good way of getting to see not just genus but Promar as well because you might decide actually like the the breeding world the fertility world isn't for you well that's the consultancy you know whether you enjoy that or not it'll certainly you'll get a bit more exposure um across the industry so I think yeah it it was a really good graduate program and I think anyone who's starting a career I would really encourage you to apply to that and then yeah if you like dairy cows and if you like fertility, yeah, there's other there's other opportunities at Genus as well. Oh, good. It does. I, I mean, like, I asked you that purely just to hear your opinion, but I've heard a few folks speak very highly. Uh, but, yeah, on to Pastures New soon. Uh, QMS, Quality Meet Scotland, obviously. Um, I'm going to throw in another plug. You've got to do it when you're in this journalism game. Uh, I think, I think, R2 cast number 88, I think it was, um, we had uh, Q 
Kate Rowell, who is obviously chairperson. Yep, uh, chairperson. Um, and some of the rest of the team on talking talking about about QMS. So if you want to go and understand what QMS is and sort of very much in depth, go check that out. Um, but Gemma, what's 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 your what's your going your position going to be walking into QMS? Um, so I think it's cat and sheep specialist. Um, so a little bit different, obviously a little bit more on sheep as well. But it sounds like certainly the first um, the induction plan looks more tailored towards cattle, which obviously is great. Um, but yeah, looking forward to learning a bit more about the the sheep part as well. Um, I think starting out, there's going to be quite a lot of project work. Uh, the meat eating quality work. Um, I think QMS have released a few bits on that. Um, it sounds like I'll be getting involved in there, which I'm really looking forward to, because as I say, like my background has been genetic. So looking forward to kind of broadening my, my knowledge and experience in another part of the beef supply chain. And then it sounds like there'll be other bits like they do quite a lot of like farmers or the producers meet in uh, finishers or processors. So it sounds like I'll be getting involved with that, which is great. So I love I love getting involved in the, the farming farming but there's only so much i like to do in front of my laptop so it's so true here that the meeting the the networking part of of i think it would be fair to say just our industry uh, is is brilliant like i mean even my job you know yes i'm on a laptop you know creating lectures and all that sort of thing but your main part of the job is with 30 folk to talk to or out going on a trip or whatever i just love meeting folk like and and like you're you what you'll be doing is active involvement with clients like that'll be class um, I think I know the answer to this, but looking forward to it. Yeah, I am. I really am. Start, um, it will be, yeah, a few weeks' time, which, yeah, looking forward to getting my teeth into it. Very good. And, and I must say here, I, I, I do not work for QMS. Um, there's, there's a few sort of organisations out there that I feel like I've got a really good relationship with, and QMS is one. Like, I, I just think they're they're built on such such good morals and i just I have a lot of time for qms i really do and I've, I've actually i don't know if this will be something you'll come across but have you heard of just jess food uh, no i haven't i probably have it's fine it's fine it's not yeah and do you use do you use tiktok by any chance no no, no you're not TikTok, I'm, right? I'm okay. yeah are you Instagram reels and uh, pretend I'm not into any of these things, but I definitely am. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's there's this there's this girl from Irvine who became famous on TikTok. She does like cosplay and stuff. Like, this is not farming or food related at all. The, the introduction, um, and one of the things she did was she was dressed as haven't seen Shrek one, uh, Lord Farquaad, the the short guy. Um, <laughs> and she's on like a, a, a carousel thing, and. Uh, She's made this Scottish parody of the song where she's like, I'm carrying your love with me. And that's all she said, right? And it's blown up. She's got like two and a half million followers, right? So QMS did this film shoot to promote Scottish beef, Scottish lamb, especially selected pork. It literally rungs off my tongue. I said it so many times for three days. Um, and it was with these two guys, uh, two girls, I should say. Um, and uh, yeah, oh my God, the fun we had making this um, promotional video for, for sort of coming up for, for Halloween with like... Uh, I'm going to have to find this. <laughs> no, I tell you what, I'll send you the like, I'll send you the like, but uh, right. <laughs> it's just... So it was mainly Millie, who's who's the TikToker. She played three characters who were contestants on essentially, you know, like um, 
the Great British Bake Off, but it was called something like the Great British Scotch Cook or something like that, yeah. And uh, then Jess and I were the presenters, and the, the dynamic we created was Jess scared me, and like we were oh, heads and everything. Like it's, I think it's twenty seven minutes of content. Like it's like a, a notable thing. So I'll send you after off camera. <laughs> but uh, that was that was with QMS, and what a blast I had, and I met some great folk in the company. So no, I've always been a, a company I, I very much care for, and a, and a company that I think we'd be in a a dodgy place without, is my opinion. Um, obviously, don't stand for everyone, but that's that's the way I'd see it. So, uh, yeah, is that a is that a fixed term position, or is that just you're going in, you're there? Yeah, um, I, d- I don't know what you mean by that, but yeah, just um, I guess just I mean, like, and, is, yeah. it, is it just for a year or so, or, or is it you're there for as long? Yeah, as Yeah, it's it's full time job. Hopefully, I think there's a probation period, so we'll see if I'm still there in six months. But. <laughs> Mark, I'm quite, I'm quite certain you will. I'm quite certain you will. Um, no, fantastic. It's you know, I love, I love speaking to folk like yourself, Gemma. Uh, you sort of hit record, and um, it's just clear how much they care about what they're doing. And I mean, this this podcast started as as why to get into food and farming, what what ways you can get into food and farming, and as a nine year old, you had no contact to either. Yeah, and now. Um, you know, now post college, post all that sort of thing, you're you're so ingrained and it's so clear how much you care about this side of things. And it was it was fun that day. But for I've sort of mentioned that Gemma Quinn spoke basically we had um we had R Well said it wrong last time. Uh, uh, <laughs> have I said it wrong again? Is it No, no you haven't oh, just laughing because I was, was like, oh my god, god. Oh. Um, <laughs> Well and Gemma Quinn spoke to her third years as part of their uh, livestock management course um, about genus and breeding and all that sort of stuff and and it was so interesting that as I said like I wrote down pretty quick that I wanted to have Gemma on and, and that the passion showed through there so it's been a pleasure to actually sit down and sort of speak to you about what you do what you're planning on doing what the, the plans for the future are but that's where this next question will come in there's a there's I don't know if you've listened to an R2 cast before Gemma but there's two questions that every single person is asked at the end oh we're getting a, a yes maybe this has been thought about so uh one where do you see yourself in five years and uh two if you had any tips for folk coming into farming what would they be um i have i have heard these questions and i was thinking oh how do i prepare for it and i, I feel like my answer is not that, um interesting considering i knew you were gonna ask it but yeah in terms of my goals um I want to continue career-wise, grow my network, you know, learning about the industry because it does help me focus on what I'm doing at home and it, um, well, what me and Hamish are doing at home. Um, so yeah, that would be kind of career goal. And then in terms of the the business, um, I just hope to keep growing it. I want to stay true to my principles. I really believe in uh, breeding like maternal type cow. It's Angus in my my kind of way. Um, yeah just from proven genetics and um obviously numbers wise hopefully in five years time I'm at, at least 30 and if I'm more maybe there's been other opportunities so yeah just kind of uh, keep my eye on that and I guess that kind of links into the the tips a bit um you know kind of coming into farming I think on reflection I've I've had goals and I've really focused on them and spoken 
to people about them. And that's how I've made great contacts like the Monroe family up at Bologde. Um, you know, thanks to them, I have a herd of cows and it's just, you know, I turned up at their... I, I got told they might be interested in doing something with me and I turned up at their farm four hour drive from where I was and um yeah we just explained what I wanted to do and they were they were on board with it but you know I meet so many people and it's quite amazing how many people do want to help when when you're open and I guess in summary what I'm trying to say is be focused on your goals and grow your network talk to your network about it and I think um yeah it's a good way of getting into farming and I did speak to Hamish before as well about what he would have said and he was just saying like you know just don't be scared to think outside the box um you know there's a lot of good stuff happening in the industry and um you know new ideas it's it's good to encourage them so yeah if you're not in farming and you've got a different idea try and join some of these groups whether it's young farmers or um things like that and you know share those ideas because you just never know people are starting to think differently about what they're doing so I think that's what I would I'd say very good I'd say very good and you know it's it's um the 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 where do you see yourself in five questions I think I've said this a few times the last few episodes it's came up it's a horrible question it's just a sort of fun one to ask I, I have no idea I know what I'm doing until half nine tomorrow morning after that I've got no clue like it's just you know <laughs> I, 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 I don't like to objectively plan everything out because the way I see it is if it doesn't happen you're like oh shit <laughs> uh, so I, I prefer more to just sort of take it as it comes but no I would say very good and that I I'm sure the viewers are the same I wish wish you and Hamish the best on combined and individual ventures it all sounds like it's going very well um, and yeah thank you for coming on it's been great it's been a really good episode I hope you've enjoyed it yourself I have and thank you for having me on um and yeah just it's great what you're doing and um you know speaking to all your, your different guests is something different every week so no it's good it's amazing and you know <clears throat> sort of really camp there uh, it's amazing it's amazing uh, you <laughs> mentioned earlier about uh, and your and your tips about networking i mean farming much like life is, is a networking thing and just the more people you meet the better if you want to create a network I cannot stress how good having a podcast is. Oh my God. It's insane. The people I've met, I mean, mm-hmm. I was saying to mum and dad there, I was just uploading an episode and uh, the one that came out at the point of recording, so it's probably been about eight more when this comes out, the one that's just came out two days ago of where you and I are sitting at the minute, Gemma, is the 50th in 2023, um, which wow. is... Yeah, kind of nuts. Given ja- I started in January 2021, it took till May 2022 to be 50 episodes. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. You meet a lot of folk, um, meet some great folk. But as I said, thank you very much for coming on. I'm sure everyone listening's really enjoyed it. For those of you listening, uh, that's been Gemma Work's story, a very good story that I've very enjoyed. Um, go check out Gemma Work on Instagram. One thing that's really cool about your Instagram, not many folk can say this, it's probably because your surname is a wee bit out there uh, is you've got the exact name on Instagram it is perfect you have your name yeah but actually I would sorry <laughs> I direct people to the Tully Fergus page okay. because, yeah, my first... <laughs> obviously you've got that but yeah if um, people want to see what I'm up to it's very much cow related and Tully Fergus UK sorry for plugging it but yeah go and have a look at that you see me okay. sometimes on it <laughs> it's mostly cows though
Yeah, that's it. That's it. Follow away. Well, sorry, yeah, sorry. Plug away. Yeah, Tully Fergus UK. Apologies, I gave away the wrong, a wrong account there. But um, yeah, uh, thank you very much for coming on. For those who are still listening, um, the next episode we have is, uh, I think, I said at the start, Charlie Beatty. A really good episode coming up there. I'll be filming that in a day or two, which I'm quite looking forward to. Charlie is someone sort of followed for a while, one of those ones that's sort of been around and has been on the list for a while and just randomly haven't been in touch. If you do have any tips for folk that you'd love to have on the pod, uh, be that food and farming or anyone, we now have the all-in series. Uh, so we've had professional footballers. We just released an episode last week at the time recording with someone who's been deployed in Iraq. So if you want to go listen to that, that's a, a proper eye-opening story. Uh, so yeah, anyone you want to hear, Please get in touch. The, the lady I'm speaking to at the minute is the first person to have lifted, sorry, the first female to have list, lifted the Dinny stones, which I believe is 180 kilos in one hand and 130 in the other hand, with nothing more than two metal circles and a rock attached to them. So, yeah, mental feat of strength. So, yeah, just anyone, love to hear from you. What I will say is if you do get in touch and ask me, I hugely apologise if your person doesn't come on the next few weeks. I think there's about 150 people on that list now. It's getting ludicrous. Um, so, yeah, thank you all so much for listening. And we shall see you. I can't remember what episode this is. We shall see you for episode 128 in a few days' time. Gemma, thank you. Thanks. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2 cast. I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more, A-Plan Rural. If you follow A-Plan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside A-Plan Rural so far and long may it continue. The values of A-Plan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at A-Plan Rural and on Facebook at A-Plan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.